morning. Good to see you and to hear you. Uh, listening is a crucial skill, uh, a crucial life skill to be able to listen, not just to hear stuff, but to actually be able to listen and to listen well. Um, we're going to look, we're going to start this morning a, a new series on the book of Jeremiah, the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. And it's a really, really long book. We're not going to go through every single passage in the book. We're going to spend about two months, and so we're going to hit some of the highlights in the book. But this morning we're going to look at Jeremiah 1, 1 to 10. And um, so Jeremiah was a prophet that lived um, he was a, during the, uh, the time of uh, the, uh, the southern kingdom of Judah, like the last 40 years of its kind of existence before it was conquered by Babylon. And people were taken into captivity, into exile. And so he prophesied to the, to the southern kingdom, to the people in the southern kingdom of Israel, the, the kingdom of Judah. And, and he prophesied during several different kings. And uh, if you're familiar with, you know, the different kings in, in Israel, the northern and the southern kingdoms, there were, there were many bad kings and there were a few good kings. And uh, Jeremiah began prophesying. His ministry started during the, the rule of uh, King Josiah, who was, uh, became king when he was very young. And he was one of the better kings. He was uh, worked towards reforming the southern kingdom of Israel and trying to get rid of all sorts of idol worship, things like that, and, and trying to encourage people to listen to the law of God, listen to the word of God. And this is the time when, when Jeremiah started his ministry, but it went up all the way up until the time of the captivity, the time when they were defeated and conquered by the kingdom of Babylon. And, and much of Jeremiah, his message was warning the people of Judah, warning them, saying, if you do not listen to the Lord, if you do not listen to him, if you refuse to hear him and to change the way that you're living, then he will bring judgment upon you. He will bring judgment upon you. So, Right at the beginning, we're going to look at these first 10 verses right here, and I think it has everything to do with encouraging us to listen, if nothing else. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Listen to God's word as I read Jeremiah 1, verses 1 to 10. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign, it came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, 
to build and to plant. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us now to listen. Help us listen to your spirit as you speak to us. Father, we pray that, uh, that you would help us um, to apply your Spirit's work, to respond to you, to, to be willing to change and to grow, and to live lives that reflect your gracious word and your love. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you can hear me, clap twice. Good job. Well done. If you ever see me at VBS, you know, I've seen other teachers do this, so I do that myself. You know, when you're trying to get a bunch of kids to listen to you, because they're all, like, talking to one another, they're all distracted, they're, they're not paying attention at all, that's one of the things you can do, you know. You know, say, give me three or something. I, that's what I've seen work sometimes. To get them to stop talking and to pay attention, right? Um, and you guys did a very good job. Well done. But I realize that it's one thing to get people to actually pay attention and stop talking, and another thing to actually get them to really listen. To really listen. And to listen well. Especially true for kids. You can get them all to kind of stop talking and look at you, but are they really listening to anything that you say (laughs) in a meaningful way? Um, but that's not just a kid problem. I know that that's, a, that's an adult problem, too. As much as I know that I, I, it seems like everybody's looking at me right now. I'm not sure how many of you guys are actually really actively listening. And, and not just listening to me, but actually listening to what God might say to you. Are you listening? What does it mean to listen? What does it mean to listen well? I think if nothing else, the very beginning of this book of Jeremiah He's establishing the fact that what he is about, to, what, what, what he is saying to the, to the people of, of Israel, to the people of Judah, what he is saying to them is not just his opinion, not just his idea, not just stuff that he thought up, but these are the very words of God. Over and over in this first chapter, he's constantly saying, the word of the Lord came to me. The word of the Lord came to me. The word of the Lord came to me over and over again. He says, he makes it clear that when when he says, uh, you know, down in verse 9, the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. And so if nothing else, the very beginning of the book of Jeremiah, he's, he's trying to establish the fact that these are the very words of God. And so it's imperative that you listen. It's imperative that you learn to listen to the Lord. Listen to the living God who wants to speak to you. He wants to say something to you. That's what he's saying right here at the beginning of the book. And, and what I want to do in the next few minutes as we look at these 10 verses is, is say, you know, how can we become better listeners? How can we be, get better at listening to what God wants to say to us? Because he certainly wants to speak to us. He certainly does. What does he want to say to us through the book of Jeremiah? What does he want to say to us through all of the Bible, through 
life in general as he speaks to us by his spirit? What does he want to say? How can I be a better listener? What are the sorts of things that he wants to communicate? And how does that change the way that I listen to him? So how do we, what, what do we need to do to be better listeners? First, I think we need to focus on the fact that God wants us to listen to him in order to, to wake up. He wants us to listen to him in order to wake up. When you're sleeping, normally you're pretty much unaware of what is real. Aren't you? Um, the, most thing, the, the thing that you might be most aware of is if you are having a dream. You might be very aware of what's happening in that dream, but that isn't necessarily reality, right? You, you, don't come, you, you don't get in touch with reality unless somebody says, hey, Jeff, wake up, wake up. And once I wake up, I'm suddenly aware, I'm conscious of what is real, right? And I would say something similar happens to Jeremiah when God's word comes to him in verses 4 and 5. He says this, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I I appointed you a prophet to the nations. You see, before the word of God came to Jeremiah, Jeremiah was living a, a, a life that he was very familiar with, a life that was, you know, contained in his, you know, the village, the town that he lived in, in Anathoth. He was, a, he was the son of a priest, possibly a priest himself. I'm not sure exactly how old he was. He says he was young, right? So he, he had a, a world, he was living in a world that was kind of confined, a world that he knew. And then when the word of the Lord came to him, what happened? Suddenly, he was, the, the word of the Lord pulled him out of his present moment to recognize that there was something much bigger, a bigger reality that he wasn't necessarily aware of before. You know, that, that reality had to do, first of all, God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. It, it pulls him into a reality that, that has to do with a, a, a God who is eternal, who knew Jeremiah before he was even conceived. And not only that, Jeremiah had a, had a you know, he... If he was a priest, he, he was very familiar with his job. It was a very, you know, limited job to, to this town that he lived in. And all of a sudden, God's saying, I appointed you a prophet to the nation. Suddenly, he's realizing he has a responsibility, not just to these people in this town, but to the entire world. Suddenly, as God speaks to him, he is forced out of his, you know, tiny little bubble that he's been living in to recognize that there is a reality that he has a responsibility for that is way bigger than he ever thought before, right? It awakens him to a reality that he wasn't even possibly thinking about before and that he needed to engage with now. There are a lot of stories where sometimes somebody will go through a secret door or a secret passageway and then they'll end up in another world, right? And they're, they're, they're transported to this other world, this other like fantastical world of all sorts of different like talking beasts or something like that that they never really realized happened in the um in the recent marvel movie shang chi i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that or not but uh there's this point in the movie where they go through the secret passageway in this forest and they end up in this village this hidden village and as they're driving through this village on this on this uh this this uh field through this field in the regular car that they were you know previously driving i think they were in san francisco before they're suddenly in this other world and they're being passed by these fantastical creatures 
of all different colors, you know, walking by. They've never even seen these things or conceived of these things before, and they're flying overhead, and, and suddenly they're like, man, the world is a lot bigger than we realized. And I think that's, that's one of the things, the very baseline thing that the, the, the Word of God does to us is it pulls us out of our bubbles. And it can awaken us to realities that we're not thinking about. When we listen to God speak, it has the power to wake us up to a reality that we often live blissfully unaware of. A reality that is about way more than just me or just my people that I know or my world being okay. It has the power to pull me out of, of me just kind of getting what I want, my plans, you know, pulling me out of just my little world, of my plans to go to the diner later or to, or to watch the Giants game or whatever. That's one of the things that the, the, that the Word of God has the power to do, that, that God's Word has the power to do. And when I'm talking about the Word of God, it's important for me to mention this, okay, to talk about this. When, how do we know that God is really speaking to us? Well, God's word, the place where he is communicated most clearly and definitively is in the Bible. You know, what he has written through Jeremiah and many other people that we have contained in the Bible, that's where we have God's words to us most clearly, most definitively. If we want to hear God speak, that's a good place to go. That's the best place to go in order to listen to what God has to say. You cannot really know God without his word. And what that reveals to us. However, I also want to say that, that the Spirit of God is alive and working. And he can speak to us in all sorts of ways in addition to his word in the Bible. You know, he can speak to us through our circumstances. He can speak to us through other people. He can speak to us internally. But it's always important. It's crucial that we're always comparing the ways that God speaks to us to his word making sure it's consistent with what he's explained and communicated there. But the bottom line is, is all of these ways that God has of speaking to us, he does this in order to wake us up, in order to pull us out of our kind of self-centeredness, our preoccupation with ourselves. That's what the word of God can do. And so it's important for us to learn to listen to him with an openness, with a curiosity, a willingness to approach him with an attitude that admits we don't have everything figured out. That he might have something new to say, to teach me about. We need to practice listening without cling, clinging to our own agenda. And let him show us things that we maybe we're blind to. That's kind of the first basic level of listening to God, is listening for him to wake us up, to make us aware of things that, that we weren't aware of before, things about him, things about ourselves. Maybe the second level, though, is, is learning to listen to obey. I simply want to point out that may, this level of listening to God involves recognizing that his words are absolutely authoritative. They carry weight. They carry weight. What he says goes. We don't have the option of trying to debate with him or talk him out of things. You know, look at Jeremiah. When, uh, when God tells him, I appointed you a prophet to the nations, and what does Jeremiah do? Immediately, he's like, wait, uh, I'm, 
you know, I'm young. I'm inexperienced. I don't really know how to speak. And how does God respond to him? He just kind of brushes that objection aside really quickly. He says, do not say I'm only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. You don't have a choice, Jeremiah. I have told you you're going to be a prophet. That's exactly what you're going to be. Because my word goes. You don't have a choice. You're going to go to who I send you. You're going to say what I say. And so when it comes to the word of God, as he speaks to us, we need to, we need to come to him with a posture that says, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to surrender to what you say, even if I disagree, even if I don't completely understand, even if obedience causes me to stick out like a sore thumb in a world that doesn't care what you have to say. I'm going to listen and I'm going to, to obey you with what you say about what I need to do with my body and my sexuality, with, with my things, the things that you've given me, with my uh, desires and my time and my relationships. I'm going to listen to you and obey. So the first level is listening to wake up. The second is listening to obey. But, but God wants more than just our obedience. What he wants to do is he wants to renovate our lives. He wants to change us. And that's what we need to do. Third, the third level, I would say, of listening is, is to listen to be renovated. Listen, in, listen for renovation. What is God's agenda for Jeremiah? He says it in verse 10 for, for Jeremiah's ministry. He says, Behold, I've put my words in your mouth. See, I've set you this day over nations and over kingdoms. To do what? To pluck up and to break down to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. So the ministry of Jeremiah, as he goes from God to, to tell people about what God has told him to tell him, what is it a ministry of? It's a ministry of destruction, of uprooting, of breaking down things, right? As he goes out, the, the words that he's going to speak are going to, are going to come and, and come into conflict with the people and their sin and their idolatry. And God's word is going to work to demolish that. But it's not just about demolishing things. It's also about building things, right? He's calling him not to just to destroy and overthrow, but also to build and to plant. And as I thought about this, this sounds a lot like a home renovation. It sounds a lot like people who flip homes for a living, right? I mean, when you, when you flip a home, you, from what I've learned from all of the TV shows that, that, you know, are on all the time about this sort of thing, is you buy a home that's, you know, out of date and, and, and running, running, run down and everything, and the first thing you do is you go in there as you do demo work, right? You, you take a sledgehammer to the cabinets that were installed in 1973, and you, you rip up all the linoleum and you throw it into the dumpster. And then, after you've torn everything apart, then you install these beautiful countertops on the new kitchen island. And this expensive, you know, tile that you put in the backsplash and everything like that. That's what happens with, with, when, when you flip homes with the renovation. You, you, you destroy, you demolish, but then in order to build something more beautiful. 
And I think that's what God wants to do with the people of Israel. That's what God wants to do with Jeremiah. That's what God wants to do with you and me. He's not interested in just having a bunch of people just, you know, come up with a list of rules that he's given us and just making sure we're obeying them all, just checking them all off. He wants a people who are ready and willing to be, to surrender to him, to have him change us, actually change us, to become different. This is what God's agenda is for his word. Not just something to, to, that given to us to obey perfectly, but rather something that has the power to renovate us and make us different and new. And this means that, that as we seek to listen to what God wants to say, we should expect there to be some kind of destructive, some kind of demolition going on in our hearts. He's going to want to take a sledgehammer to the things that we are loving other than him, the things that we are giving ourselves to other than him. The ways of, of, of relating to people, the ways of communicating to people that are not healthy or loving. But he's not just going to want us to take a sledgehammer to those things. He's going to want to, to plant and grow fruit that is going to bless the people around us. That is going to display his love and his kindness and his grace. So this is the goal. It's change. It's renovation. You are not meant to stay the same. You are not meant to stay the same. It's not healthy for you to stay the same. So listening to God involves a willingness to become someone different. A willingness to surrender to his decorative and stylistic choices. when it comes to what he wants you to care about, when it comes to what he wants you to, the way he wants you to speak, the, the words he wants you to use as you speak to the people around you, the, the way that he wants you to display, to display patience with those around you and grace to those who frustrate you, the ways he wants you to build others up and care about them. So he wants us to learn to listen, to wake up, to listen, to obey, to listen, to, to be changed and to be renovated. But, but ultimately, I think these things are all crucial and important. As much as God has an agenda with his words to command us to, and to change, there is one consistent thing that his words do over and over again throughout the Bible. And he doesn't want us to miss, it, miss this. He wants us to learn to listen, not just to be changed, not just to obey, but to be loved. He wants us to learn to listen for his love. For his love for us. And the way that he communicates his love to us over and over again in all sorts of different ways. This is crucial because many Christians try to look to God only for what they need to do. But what he seems to want for us as much as what we need to do and how we need to change is, is he wants us to hear that he loves us. He wants us to hear that he's com committed to us, that he cares about us, that he is with us. In the midst of God's call to Jeremiah, Jeremiah objects in verse 6, right? I don't know how to speak. I'm only a youth. And then God responds, 
dude, forget it. Don't even, don't tell me you're too young. You're going to go. You're going to obey. You're going to say what I tell you to say. But that's not all he says, right? That's not all he says. As you continue down into verse 8, what does he say to him? He says, do not be afraid of them. For I am with you. I'm with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. God doesn't want to just say, look, Jeremiah, I've got a job for you. You've got to do it. God understands Jeremiah's fears. God understands Jeremiah's weakness. And God addresses it and says, I'm going to be with you. Don't be afraid, Jeremiah. I'm going to be with you. I care about you, Jeremiah. I love you, Jeremiah. Don't, don't miss what he said in the very beginning, in the, in the call to Jeremiah in verse 5. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. When the, the word, I knew you, in the Old Testament, doesn't just communicate the idea that, you know, before God formed Jeremiah, he knew everything about Jeremiah. It actually also communicates the idea that he chose Jeremiah, that he set his love upon Jeremiah. That's what, Jer- that's what God wants Jeremiah to know, undergirding everything else as he communicates this call, as he, as he awakens Jeremiah to this whole new world. He wants Jeremiah to know, Jeremiah, I love you. And I'm going to be with you. And this is what we need to get in the habit of doing. Not simply listening to God for what what needs to be uprooted in our life. Not purely listening to what I need to do or do differently. I need to get in the habit of listening to God's consistent message that he loves me. And this is important because we can have a tendency to tune that out to tune it out, to tune out the message of his love because because I have a tendency to think that I'm not really that lovable. It's hard for me to believe that he really loves me. It's hard for me me to believe that he's really going to be with me. You know, I, I have a hard time believing that I'm that lovable. I also, you know, life is hard. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on in my life and in the lives of the people that I care about that it's just like, God, if you, do you really love me? It makes me question it. And so I need to learn to listen. I need to learn to listen as I read his word, as I listen to his spirit that he has given me. I need to learn to listen and to say, listen to him saying to me over and over and over again in all sorts of different ways, Jeff, I love you. I love you. I have forgiven you. Don't be afraid. I am with you. I am working everything for your good. I love you. Nothing is going to separate you from me and my love. I love you. I need to learn to listen to that voice, the voice of God, as it comes to me, clearly saying, I love you you. In fact, it's, it's knowing that he loves me that moves me to, to want change, more change in my life, that moves me to want to obey, that moves me to want to move outside of my little confined bubble that I'm living in. <laughs> because his love is big and it is sufficient. It is more than sufficient. We need to learn to listen. 
And if you have trouble listening, hearing God say, I love you, if you struggle to hear him say that, if you struggle to believe that, then I urge you to look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Here we have one of the ways that God loves Jeremiah and that God loves the people of Judah is the fact that his word comes to Jeremiah, right? God just doesn't stand way back and say, you guys got to figure this out for yourselves. Jeremiah, you got to figure it out for yourselves. No, God's word comes to him to give him promise, to give him warning, but to give him a promise of his presence and his love, right? God's word comes to him. And ultimately, that's what we see in the person of Jesus. God's word throughout the Old Testament was constantly coming to the people, through the prophets, constantly coming to the people over and over again to say, I, I love you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be your God. If you'll only listen to me, if you'll only trust me, ultimately, God's word comes to us in the person of Jesus. In John 1, it actually talk, John, John talks, to, talks about Jesus and refers to him as the word, right? Jesus Christ is the word of God. Come to us to communicate his love, to accomplish his love. Look at Jesus. Listen to Jesus. He is the word of God come in the flesh to awaken us to awaken us to pull us out of ourselves he is the word of the Lord come in the flesh to to call us to obedience but not just to call us to obedience but to show us what obedience really looks like he is the word of the Lord come in the flesh to, to renovate and transform every single person who will walk with him. As you look at the Gospels and you look at every person who walks with Jesus, what do you see? You see transformation. You see renovation. You see hearts being flipped. And Jesus Christ is the word of the Lord who, is, who has come to say, I love you. I love you so much that I was willing. What did Jesus do? He was willing to be plucked up and broken down. That's what happened on the cross. Jesus was destroyed and judged for our sin so that we might be made new. So that we might know that God loves us if you're having trouble hearing God say, I love you, then look at Jesus and listen. Listen today. Listen this week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus, the Word made flesh. Come to demonstrate your love. Come to display your love. Come to communicate your love to us. Father, we pray that you would help us to listen. As we look around in, 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 in our lives, it's, it's, it's easy to see how 
difficult it is for people to listen. Father, we pray that your spirit would work in us to teach us to listen to you. To listen to you say that you love us and you will hold us. You will hold us fast. Through the word made flesh, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name.